You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 980 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. Today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Not the Locker Room app from the iOS app store. Find one of our Locked on Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's podcast will focus on what became a 100-86 loss in Detroit for the Hawks. As I sort of alluded to last night at the end of the podcast, if you're a new listener, by the way, welcome, welcome aboard. But last night's podcast, I sort of closed up shop by kind of warning a little bit. It's kind of a trap game for the Hawks in some respects in Detroit. Obviously, the Pistons are not as good as the Hawks are, but they do play hard and all that stuff. It's a brutal schedule spot, and uh, that contributed to this loss in a big way. The Hawks had to travel. It was a back-to-back for them, not for the Pistons, who were at home. You throw in a shorthanded roster, even Lou Williams getting scratched before game time, but the Hawks in an even worse position offensively. They were also kind of due for one of these. The Hawks have been playing so well for so long, and they had the two big wins over the weekend. So um, I didn't see 86 points coming, a season low, by the way, for the Hawks. But at the same time, it wasn't a huge shock to me that the Hawks struggled a little bit in this game. There was also some officiating stuff that people did not like, and I, don't, I totally understand that. It was not a, a well-officiated game. It was a physical game, and then there were injuries in the fourth quarter that sort of marred things a little bit more for the Hawks. So pretty much a brutal night all the way around for Atlanta. And we'll dive in as we always do, probably a little bit shorter than usual on this podcast because there was not a lot of positivity to take away from this one. So um, at the top, um, there was actually a return to action that we'll start with. Chris Dunn played in this game. Chris Dunn has not played until tonight since January 29th, 2020 with the Bulls. So almost 15 months ago, he famously had not played all year. Um, he clearly had a minutes restriction in this game, as, as McMillan said, but uh, good to see him on the court. We'll get into his play in a moment when we get into some more individual individual breakdowns. But um, just good to have Chris Dunn playing. He is a weapon for the Hawks, potentially, on the defensive end of the floor, obviously. And uh, they're going to need him, probably, in terms of just having more depth and more bodies available at this point. As I alluded to a second ago, Lou Williams was scratched from this game with flu-like symptoms. I'm not really sure what to make of that, but there you go. He missed this one. Um, Troy Young missed his third game with his ankle injury. By the way, Tony Snell's now missed nine in a row. DeAndre Hunter's missed 18 in a row and 41 of the last 43. And then Reddish has missed 32 in a row. So any notion of the Hawks being healthy right now is not, not a thing. Um, are they Were they healthier coming into the night than they have been at a couple of different points this season? Yes, but at the same time, like this is not a healthy roster. And obviously it's even more so now with a couple more guys that are banged up at the end of this game. So Hawks still sort of operating in pretty shorthanded fashion. And that was definitely a factor in this spot, especially against a, a Detroit team that was largely healthy in this game. Uh, are, are they great? No, but they were uh, playing hard and they were healthy. So our friends at BetOnline.ag made the Hawks four-point favorites in this game, which is pretty modest. That kind of told you as well, like coming into the day, coming into the game, if you just said Hawks versus Pistons and didn't say anything else, you, you would think Hawks minus four seems a pretty, pretty small, but you throw in the rest, you throw in the travel, you throw in the location of the game in Detroit, you throw in the injuries, and suddenly the Hawks are still favored, but only by a modest amount, and that kind of made some sense in this spot. So, to the game itself, the Hawks started out this game pretty slowly. They were 2 of 9 from the floor. Um, they fought it a little bit at times offensively in the first quarter, but not a whole lot from there. The Pistons then had their first little run. They scored five points in a row, but Mullen had to call a timeout. Um, they had a 10, it was a 10-2 to two overall run by the Pistons to go up by 7 and they led for pretty much the entire rest of the way. But Donovich had the, had one good quarter. He's really the only guy who did anything offensively at the beginning 
He had 11 points in the first quarter, and he was hot. He did cool off from that point forward, but they needed that to sort of hang around. And Dunn checks in late in the first. That was sort of the headliner at that point in time. But the Hawks didn't shoot it uh, terribly, I should say, in the first quarter. They actually had 16 points in the paint, but no free throws. And uh, the bigger problem actually early on was defense in the first quarter. Obviously, this was an offense first loss um, in terms of the grand scheme of things. But defensively, it was not very good in the first quarter. And it kind of flipped from there. So as Chris Dunn comes in, he's playing with Kevin Herter in the backcourt. And basically as a backup point guard in this game, um, there's obviously a big debate about whether Dunn's a point guard or not. Uh, he's a point guard size player. Obviously, it was a lottery pick as a point guard. I think offensively, you don't want Chris Dunn running your stuff as your primary initiator, which we kind of saw in this game. It was definitely some highs and lows. It was pretty much the entire Chris Dunn experience in this game, honestly. Uh, only 13 minutes or so, but at the same time, uh, defensively, he made a huge impact right away. He gets into he gets into guy with ball pressure. He had some deflections. He had a steal. He had a block. He was all kinds of Chris Dunn stuff. And then offensively, though, the Hawks did not score with him on the floor very effectively. They scored six points in his first five-minute stint. That's not that's not going to get it done offensively, and that was sort of a, uh, a moniker of what, what was to come offensively. Okongwu um, had a couple nice moments, especially in the second half of this game, but a couple nice flashes, including a nice sh- a short roll read in the first half that I wanted to mention. But the Hawks didn't have a field goal for almost three minutes in the second quarter. Um, there was some foul trouble. Kevin Herter got his third foul. Um, by the way, Bogdanovich and Herter had 19 of the first 28 points for the Hawks. That was unsustainably hot, obviously, but they cooled off from that point. The Hawks were down nine, sort of at a timeout in mid-quarter, and they were not scoring well at all. They had eight turnovers early on. They did have a little bit of life with five straight points, and then the Pistons kind of responded. That was kind of a theme, too. Anytime the Hawks would have like a 5-0 run or 7-0 run, the Pistons would then immediately counter with the same one, basically, to erase any progress the Hawks were making, and they never got over the hump. Uh, Capello was struggling as a finisher. They didn't play a lot through Collins, which was frustrating to me. I think that one of the themes of this game offensively was they needed to play through Collins more, and they just didn't do it. Um, they went to Skylar Mays late in the first half, which I think was not planned. Uh, Mays, you know, normally, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this, he came in with, with about 30, I would say 330-ish to go in the first half. Normally, you don't see a guy come in for the first time at that point in the game without some weird foul trouble or weird circumstances. Now, there was some foul trouble with Herter, who had three fouls, but it felt like, especially because it came right after a run by the Pistons, that he was just kind of just trying to find a spark with Skyler. Um, also, Dunn being on a minutes restriction makes things a little bit more difficult, but still, that happened at the end of the, at the end of the half. Hawks down by as many as many as fourteen in the first half, trailed by eleven at the break with a sub hundred offensive rating, and that continued. They actually played Bogdanovich a ton. He played twenty minutes and eight seconds in the first half on a back-to-back, so they were leaning in to try to win this game early on, particularly with some some of the usage stuff. It just didn't end up mattering at the end because the Hawks just could not sustain any kind of offense. Okay, before we get to the second half and some uh, takeaways and stuff from this game, it were from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or your favorite sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start and join conversations about the league, and you'll find fans just like you in Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, of course, reacting to all the biggest news and rumors. You can even find lots on hosts across MLB, NBA, and the NHL, including some of our big-name folks. In fact, I know for a fact the Hollinger Dunkin' Podcast has been on there, um, recording live and then sharing that on their podcast platform. All kinds of our hosts are up and down the channels. You can find them in the Locked On Rooms, and you definitely should go ahead and check that out now. In fact... Go download the free Locker Room app, currently available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join 
any of the conversations about the NFL, MLB, and NHL, in addition to the NBA, for all the latest league updates. I know you'll find incredible rooms about your favorite teams in your leagues, and I'll be sure to let you know once there are even more rooms going on for the Locked On team. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, so the second half was more of the same, uh, unfortunately, for Atlanta. It was pretty uneventful for a while, and the lead was kind of in the 10-point range for the Pistons for most of the beginning part of the third quarter. Then there was one little flourish from Kevin Herter, who actually had two dunks. Yes, two dunks for Kevin Herter in 20 seconds. He had a dunk in a half-court set, which is even more rare for Herter. Then he got a steal near midcourt, threw it down again. That cut the lead down to six. That was the high-water mark of the second half for the Hawks, because they never got any closer than that. After a timeout by, by Detroit, they scored the next seven points. And um, as I said before, that's kind of, this sort of erased all of their progress. The Hawks were down 15 late in the third. There was one more run to come. Pistons didn't score in the final three minutes, and the Hawks went on an 8-0 run, again with Herter hitting a three late to cut the lead down to seven. Um, some good defense by Dunn, some good energy, all that stuff, and the second unit played pretty well in that stretch. The Hawks, though, were still not shooting the ball well enough to really sustain, but it was still a seven-point game. Like this is, They're alive at that point in time, but the fourth quarter, it just it just never happened. So there was one good stretch by Kongwu early in the fourth. He was kind of the only guy playing well at this point, but he had a good finish over Stewart and a nice block on Sekou Dumboya early in the fourth, but again, that was the only dunk, sorry, that was the only scoring the Hawks had, was, was that dunk by Congo for the first three minutes or so, it was an 8-2 run by Detroit, and the lead goes back from 7-13, to 13. so again, inch forward, two steps back, and there you have it. Uh, Capella got the lead down to 9 with a couple of buckets with about 9 minutes to go, but again, on cue, Pistons score 5 in a row, it's 14, and uh, never got closer than that. Um, Herter then gets hurt at the 6-12 mark of the fourth quarter. It was his left shoulder slash arm. He was hanging that. If you remember this from last year, Herter missed a couple of weeks, I guess, you know, close to a month with what the Hawks called a left rotator cuff strain last year in that same arm. He's played every game this season. He's the only guy on the team that's played every game this season. Um, some positive news, uh, although unofficially after the game, was Nate McMillan said that he thinks he's, he's going to be fine. He, he described it as, as potentially a stinger for Herter. That'd be a pretty good result. That doesn't mean he's going to play on Wednesday, but that's a, that'd be a good a good result. Obviously, they're going to have more evaluated in the future, so that's not an official designation. There's been no announcement by the Hawks, but McMillan did say um, some pretty optimistic stuff that was on, you probably saw on Twitter as well, but uh, that's now out there, and I think relatively positive news for Kevin Herter. Then, a few minutes later, Brandon Goodwin goes down, and he was clearly in complete agony. Uh, left foot slash ankle, it looked like. He landed on uh, on a foot, and it went the wrong way. Um, he went to the locker room in a wheelchair, and McMillan had no update on Goodwin, which is probably not great, although that was late in the game. But still, that one looked worse. Uh, he looked to be in serious pain. Um, so as I record this late on Monday night, there's no update from the Hawks at this point in time. We'll see what we get on Tuesday. But, you know, hopefully that's okay for Brandon. Hopefully it's more of uh, more of the ankle stuff that um, is a sprain and not terribly, terribly serious. But it does seem like he's going to be out for a little bit of time here based on what that looked and the pain that he was in. So um, hopefully that is not as bad as it could have been. Um, and then from there, like the Hawks never really made a run. They kind of emptied the bench at the end of the game. They were down by uh, a lot of points and ended up losing by 14. So, you know, the game became like kind of secondary at the end because the Hawks were never really in, never really engaged in the fourth quarter. And then the injuries kind of took their toll and took over the game. Um, some takeaways here from the game itself. This is the season low for the Hawks in points with 86 and uh, pretty comfortably so. They never topped 23 points in a single quarter in this game. So it was not like it was a one quarter or one half swoon for Atlanta, they could not score the entire way, which is very weird. The Pistons are not terrible defensively by any means. They're like, you know, semi-average on the end of the floor. It's really their offense that's, that's shaky 
for the season. Like right now, I think, you know, Detroit was like 18th in the league in defense, something like that coming into the night. So they're not terrible in defense, but that was a weird performance from the Hawks, obviously. They were also a season low on threes. They shot four of 27. So that's both their season low in makes with four and percentage with 14.8%. That tells you as well, it was a little bit of, uh, you know, some noise in there because, you you know, no one's going to shoot four of 27 normally quote-unquote, and it just uh, never happened for Atlanta. In fact, McDonough's was, was he had three of the four makes, and he was only three of ten, so no one was good from three-point range in this game. And as a team, the Hawks shot 33% from the floor in the second half um, on their way to a robust 42-point output in the second half of this game. So, uh, overall, the offense ended up scoring less than .9 points per possession, which is just, like, all-time terrible. Um, you know, it's just one of those nights offense. I don't want to pile on too much. They only had 19 assists. Nothing went well offensively. 16 turnovers is way too many against the, against this Pistons team. They were playing physically, and again, I thought the Hawks got a pretty bad whistle in the first half of this game, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the way. But still, the Hawks just didn't have it offensively in this game. Defensively, the numbers actually look good at the end. I'm not sure the Hawks played well defensively. In fact, I know they didn't early on. It was a little bit better um, at times, but also the bench was better than the starters in this game. Um, the starters that were not Kevin Herter were all minus 13 or worse in this spot. So it wasn't like the defense was like kind of, you know, it wasn't a, a dominant Capella game or anything like that. The Hawks just didn't have too much juice. Um, the Pistons are pretty bad offensively, which kind of helped them a little bit. But still, overall, defensively, the Hawks had pretty good numbers in this game. So you have to say this is definitely an offensive loss for Atlanta. And we'll leave it there for now. Okay, before we get to the individual breakdowns, as we always do on the podcast, then we'll get out of here. A word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is rockauto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always low, and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at betonline.ag. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. This week has a ton of sports action on the go, as the NFL Draft is finally here later on this week, and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of Triple Crown begins over the weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC and MMA action, tennis, golf, entertainment stuff, whatever you are looking for in the wagering space, you can find it at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do yourself a favor and do not sit on the sidelines anymore at this point. It's your chance to get in the game as teams prepare for their runs to the playoffs. And by listening to this podcast, you can check out a welcome bonus of 50%, yes, 50%, 50%, with the promo code locked on. That is promo code locked on. 50% welcome bonus. That's extra cash for you to wager at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
my pledge to you now will be to keep this brief because the Hawks did not play well, obviously, in this spot. There are a couple guys who are better than others, of course, but the we'll go through the rundown a little bit of pluses and minuses here. On the bench, there were two guys that did not play until, until full-on garbage time. That was Knight and Fernando, so we'll just kind of cross those guys off for now. Scott Mays had the one stint in the first half. He didn't do much. He had a steal. He was kind of active, just didn't do a whole lot offensively. Um, Chris Dunn, again, returns in this game. No points, 0 of 5 from the floor, 0 of 1 from 3, had a rebound, no assists, uh, and a turnover, did have, did have a steal and a block. I sort of alluded to it earlier, but it was the full Chris Dunn experience. Uh, we'll see what this looks like, but Dunn's whole MO, if you're not a big Chris Dunn watcher before this, obviously you know, Hawks fans don't always have to watch the rest of the league. Chris Dunn is a dominant perimeter defender, especially on the ball, that offensively is not someone you want to run your offense a whole lot, and that kind of showed up in this game. So we'll see what happens here but uh again my overall takeaway for Dunn in this game is just that he's healthy it looks like he's on you know, he looked like himself on the floor which physically which is good he was intense he played hard and uh, you love to see that after a long absence Akongwu was one of the brighter spots I thought in this game 6.3 rebounds a steal and a block uh did have three fouls but was 3-3 from the floor in 13 minutes uh he was plus three I thought he played like genuinely well in this spot um, wasn't like he was dominant, but a couple of nice flashes, especially, I thought, especially on the, on the block and then the finish, uh, just kind of had some high-end moments, and I think he bounced back from a little bit of a struggle on Sunday. And then on the bench elsewhere, uh, Solomon Hill, 29 minutes, did not score, 0-3 from the floor, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. Uh, he was just kind of out there floating, wasn't terrible, wasn't great either. Uh, Gallinari had 12 points off the bench, and uh, nine of those, sorry, 8 of those came at the free throw line. He was just, it's kind of a... I would say average, maybe below average Gallo game. It wasn't like he was awful. Got to the line a bunch, but uh, 0-2 on threes. And just didn't have a ton of juice off the dribble. Um, the starters were a mixed bag. So we'll start at the bottom. I'm not going to pile on here because he got he got injured for sure, but 6 points, 7 assists for Brandon Goodwin, but Goodwin was 3-14 from the floor and 0-6 from 3. He just didn't have it in this game, which is, you know, he's a third point guard. That's what happens. Um, but he, a big part of why the Hawks could not get anything going offensively, it wasn't just these guys, but... Your two point guards in this game were Goodwin and Dunn, and those guys shot a combined 3 of 19 from the floor. You can't have good offense when that, when that happens. So it wasn't just them by any means, but that's a uh, something you can't get over if you're in offense. Um, elsewhere from there, uh, Herter was quite solid until he got injured, 15 points in 27 minutes. I thought he keeps he continues to play well. Honestly, I hope that is not a long-term injury for obvious reasons, but Herter's been playing some of the best basketball of his career recently, so good to see him settling in and playing well again. He was the only starter, by the way, that was not uh, bad, bad, bad in the, in the plus-minus category as well, only minus three. Um, John Collins, pretty quiet night, 14 points, eight rebounds. I thought they should have given him the ball more. He had eight field goal attempts. He was six of eight, so he was effective when he got the ball, just not a whole lot of emphasis offensively, and on a night without Trey and without Lou, it would have been good to see a game plan sort of, not fully around Collins, but someone somewhat more emphasizing him. That didn't really happen in this spot. Um, Capella offensively was pretty terrible, I thought. And obviously, it's on a curve. He still had some nice moments, but he missed 10 shots. He's 6 of 16 from the floor, which for his shot diet is not really uh, tenable. You can't you can't really live with that. Um, did have five, of, five offensive rebounds, which definitely helps. But defensively, he was good, but not Capella good in this game. He was still their best defender, but not someone who was like completely dominating. I wonder if he was not, um, didn't have a ton of juice out on the back-to-back after playing last night with sort of an injury stuff with the back contusion. But a double-double, that's 41 this year for Capella, which is a ludicrous number. But 12-15 and 15 for Capella, even in a somewhat down game for him. And then Madonovich finally cooled off. 
Uh, he was good in the first quarter, had 11 points, and only had 17 for the game. Um, 3 for 10 from 3, 7 19 from the floor. So he was due for one of these two, five assists, seven rebounds. Uh, I'm not going to pile on. He's been great for so long. He's still, he's still led the team in scoring with 17 points. But, again, the offense was just uh, just bad. We'll, we'll leave it there for now. Um, on the standings front, the Hawks got a, got a, break, a bit of a break with the Knicks losing this evening. Um, that allows the Hawks to stay tied with New York for the four spot at this point in time. The Knicks do have the tiebreaker, which definitely matters, but that's just the status update right now on the standings. As we look ahead a little bit here, the injury front is obviously the biggest concern. We'll have more on that hopefully on Tuesday at some point when we get a uh, release or McMillan says something on Tuesday. But the Hawks are now heading for Philadelphia where they'll play sort of one of those baseball-style sets with two games against the Sixers in three days. They play Wednesday and Friday in Philly. So on the bright side, a pair of days off in between games, so there's not like the entire like you know brutal back-to-back stretch here, and uh, no travel after the game on Wednesday, so maybe a little bit of time to get healthy, get a little bit a little bit of rest on the road. But Philly's pretty good, so a challenge. I think a victory would be getting a split there. Um, obviously, you want to be you want to win every game if you're the Hawks, but realistically, I think getting a split would be very nice. If you win both, that'd be even better, of course. But uh, we'll see what happens. If, when, who's available? Obviously, Trace Dennis is up in the air. Now Herders is up in the air. Goodwin's up in the air. Um, we'll see how Chris Dunn responds to this game. All that stuff. So the injury report is full. We'll have much more on that the next time around. But we'll leave it there for now. A brutal night at the office for the Hawks. Hopefully this is not going to be too bad on the long-term injury front for Atlanta. And a one sort of a one-off in the standings with this 14-point road loss. So we'll leave it there. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, please subscribe to the show. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Rate and review. And we'll see you all next time.